Hello and welcome to Get Flushed, the sanitation podcast. My name's Pete and I'll be your host. When I developed the concept for Get Flushed, I wanted to interview as many restroom operators as possible and really share the stories of the people behind the industry. In season one, I was able to feature Ryan Granger from Arcadian Sanitation in Louisiana, Stefan and Anthony Kovic from Prestige Loos in Auckland, and Guy Smith at Hiralu in Australia. When I sat down to plan this series, I really hoped that I'd be able to continue that theme and interview more operators from other parts of the world. And in particular, I wanted to put this episode together. You see, it's been a really long time in the making. As soon as Sanitrax had become the naming rights sponsor last year, Marcel and Dave introduced me to this week's guest, Roy Baring, from Texan Site Services over in Texas. You see, at that time, Texan Site Services were all set to deploy Sanitrax modules at the PGA Valero Open, and we planned to record a feature episode about that event to use in the show. Unfortunately, COVID came along, the event was postponed, and that episode never happened. I've kept in touch with Roy through social media and I've got to know him a little bit over the course of the last year. He's been a guest on Dave's videocast, Follow Your Process, and I've been hoping that it would appear on Get Flushed for quite a long time. If you've listened to the last couple of episodes, you'll know that the Valero Open has been rescheduled to the end of this month. And you'll also know that Texan Site Services are going to supply and deploy plastic portables all around the course as well as Sanitrax modules around the 18th green. You'll also know that Dave and Roy have joined forces with Angelique and they're going to deploy the AirVote feedback system on all the restrooms supplied to that event. I managed to catch up with Roy early on Wednesday morning, my time. Well, I say good morning. I say I'm good. I'm still fast asleep, if I'm honest. <laughs> oh, my gosh. What time is it there? 7.28. 7.28 in the morning. Yeah, I've woken everyone else up in the caravan. So yeah, you're almost six hours. Yeah, six hours behind us. I think I'm eighteen hours in front of you, if that makes sense. Yes. So it's Wednesday morning here, and you're still Tuesday afternoon. Oh yeah, you you are rocking and rolling. Dave said to me, "Ask Roy about his cattle <laughs> first off." <laughs> yeah, I'm uh, I'm third generation in line with cattle industry as well. We do that. Kind of on the side there is sort of hobby, sort of sale. We have some registered herds here that we sell and purchase different things for the kids to exhibit here in the States. I've seen that on your Facebook post. Yeah, they look pretty cool. Yeah, we've been doing a long time and, you know, had a lot of success. So it's a challenge sometimes, you know, it's they're just looking for places to have a problem. <laughs> <laughs> Never work with animals or kids. That's what they say. That's right. It's crazy, but we love it. It's pretty cool to do and get the kids involved and that's really enjoyable and pretty good. So have you got a ranch or a small holding there? Yes, we've got uh, a couple of places that we run all the cattle on and then uh, got a couple of lease pastures that we use. And then between me and my brother, we've got some smaller places that we kind of rotate things in and out of. Yeah, that's really good. Proper cowboys. Yes, sir. We try to be. Ryan at Acadian Sanitation keeps telling me I need a proper Stetson. That's right. You need a Stetson, especially if you're going to come over here and... Well, Roy, that's the plan. And I've been scheming with Dave that as soon as the travel restrictions are lifted, I think we'll be on our way, to be honest. Yeah. How's it looking over there on y'all? They still quarantine and everything? Yeah. The government have set up a managed isolation facility and everybody coming in has to go into that. Really? But you have to buy your ticket to the quarantine before you can buy your plane ticket. And they're 
man, it's fully booked out until the end of the year, I think. Oh, my gosh. One of our employees here, they're from El Salvador originally, and they uh, had to do the 72-hour quarantine setup, and they were so backed up around here, they almost didn't get to make their flight. The plus side is within New Zealand, we can pretty much go anywhere without any restrictions. We just have to sign in when you go into any stores or cafes or restaurants. And that's pretty much the only restriction. Interesting. And then uh, what's weather like over there right now? We're just on the cusp of autumn. So we've had a couple of four or five degree centigrade nights. Uh-huh. We've had a really good run of it, Roy. We've been in the caravan since November, right. touring around. And we've probably only had, I don't know, maybe six days of really miserable wet shut the door and turn the TV on days. Wow, that's awesome. We're right at the bottom of the South Island at the minute, which will be the first place to get cold. Okay. It's still been pretty temperate. I'm, I'm still wearing my shorts. I'll try and go through the winter as long as I can in my shorts. Yes, sir. And once we get through April into May, we'll go to the North Island and we'll try and go as far north as possible. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I reckon I could do a, a full series of Get Flush, just interview a different restroom operator every week on the road in the States, coast to coast, north to south. That would be pretty interesting. That would be a heck of a series. Oh, it'd be awesome. Ryan said to me I can borrow his trailer. I just need something to pull it with. <laughs> well, we've got plenty of trucks here to pull that with, so we, we'll tag team it and get you down the road. <laughs> My wife would be like, yeah, you go off with Dave. I'll see you in a year's time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, it'd be awesome, wouldn't it? The beer TV show and that. Yeah. I have to get Dave to pitch that to Netflix. <laughs> they touch on it every once in a while, you know, see that dirty job deal or, or there'll be YouTube videos on it. But if you got that going and they really see what's involved and how tedious some of these operations are and, and like what goes into the whole planning stage, shoot, it'd be blow their mind. And that's the nuts and bolts that I wanted to get into in the show, really. The real value is talking to people like yourself yes, who are running operations of lots of different sizes and scales. And I, I honestly can't think there's any other industry, Roy, where anyone can have a go with such low barriers to entry right. and such an essential service. I mean, COVID's proven that. Look how busy everybody is. It's a blessing and a curse in that aspect. You know, the low barrier of entry, everybody wants to get in. Well, then we get a load of 28 units out there and the guy has no knowledge and doesn't ask anyone because everybody's ready to help you. I mean, it's not like there's some secret here, but to feel the market out, figure your pricing out, figure your correct service out. But they want to come in there to shoot the low end of the price range, then take your jobs away for two or three months, create all the headaches. Then all of a sudden you're losing three months of revenue because the new guy came in so cheap but doesn't have the background or experience to make sure and keep up with a larger customer because those guys are always checking their budget. The education part of it is this is where you come in, this podcast, making sure there's different directives on here and different ideas that people can just go through and listen to the whole thing and actually get a better idea of how to start an operation, run the operation, who to hire, how to train. And that's the biggest thing we've got to do here. That low baller new guy entry has been a real problem in our town here. I think I've said in the show a few times, there are maybe 20 operators in a city of 400,000 people. Right. And a lot of them play this game. The temptation is to just offer the lowest price to win the work. Genuinely, I've had project managers ring me and say, I've been offered the toilets for 2 or $3 a week cheaper than you can do. It's madness. It's just absolute lunacy. Sure. And if everyone would just get together and kind of, use it as a conglomerate everyone would have a better price structure 
Yeah, and you know, there's always room in the market for other operators. We've seen that. A city of 400,000 people with 20 companies, you wouldn't think that was possible. But they're all busy. For sure. Can you tell us a little bit about Texan as a company? Sure. Texan started in 2014. Me and my wife started the company. So that would be nine years on the uh, entrepreneur roller coaster. But we've grown tremendously over that time. We started with 100 units. We uh, have about 2,000 units in inventory and do about 5,000 services a week. So our trajectory has been straight up since we started. We run about 15 drivers here and service San Antonio and the Austin area. So that's about a 300 square mile area. So we're able to do that, use satellite and J&J plastic units. We use TAN units uh, solely just so we know kind of our brand. And, and that way, when you see one out there, usually you kind of know it's between us or another guy, but most of the time it's us. And uh, we run our plastic run so far in advance. That way we've kind of got it stockpiled. So we're ready to start assembling units. We're ready to go, you know, instead of having to wait a week or two for production and build and everything else. So, so you buy them flat pack as well, do you? Yeah. So we'll do 120 unit loads at a time, you know, and then they'll send an assembly team here to build everything in a few days. And it's that, you know, saves on your shipping and, yeah. and stuff like that rather than your 28 load setup. Of course it does. Is everyone working out of one depot, Roy? It's only about an hour and 15 minutes to our furthest stop on the north side of Austin. So property up there is pretty expensive. And then to lease one would just kind of be a waste for us to do, you know, bottom line wise. So we run everything out of here. It's a large yard. We've got a large office here. So we're able to kind of keep everybody in tune. Everybody's able to communicate daily and not have to worry about an extra depot, extra ops manager at that depot and things like that. So we're able to run with our ops manager and project manager out of here. And they're able to run this pretty smoothly to make sure everybody's communication in line, culture's in line, and following the day-to-day operations. Are you using a software package? Yeah, so we're changing over. Uh, We were using one software, but with the amount of services, uh, we had a conversation about 20,000 services a week, and there wasn't no way they were going to do that. So we've moved over to what it's called Pro Software. They're out of Georgia. That's Vernon. Vernon, yes. Yeah. Vernon's helped us develop kind of our own system here. We've taken his platform and really dialed it in and added some value for tracking different things for your checklist in and out of the depot. A lot of different things that are really going to help some industry operators and some pros out there. We had an article in the Pro Monthly, our kind of industry magazine here in the States. And then uh, a lot of people have called and asked for some advice and we've really pushed them towards him because what we've built with him and his team has really started to put some things together for us, tracking-wise, efficiency-wise, route profitability, and things like that. So we've kind of added some stuff in there that we developed as a team together, and it's going to be really neat. We've been lucky to get this thing developed and pretty tight, so we're getting ready to go into the billing phase of installation and implementation. So we're ready for that and get everybody trained there, and then we should be full bore operating on Vernon's system. That sounds good. We've got big things happening. We've got our large PGA Valero Texas Open coming up next week. We've got a lot of new technology going in there with the Sanitrex Airboat, which you've uh, had on the program last week. So we're excited to get all that put together and kind of get some notes down and pictures and share that with the industry and see how it goes. Have you done big events like the PGA before? We've done some smaller tournaments and tours, but this is their big boy in town. So this is our first year to do that. 
we picked it up last year, but with COVID, they canceled it a few days before. So now will be our time to shine. They do about 200 plastics on the course, along with sinks, tanks, sanitizers. And then we'll have the uh, bank of Sanitrax units there that we're going to use in kind of their infield there where they're going to have small concerts, kind of bar area type stuff and spread everybody out. So it'll be an interesting trial. It sounds good. So have you bought Sanitrax or has that been leased in? That's being uh, demoed in just because by the time they had everything together and the scheduling put together, you know, it takes about three to four months to get those in once ordered. So we are able to use a demo kit from a provider in Houston that's helping us out. And uh, we're going to be able to set those up and uh, just kind of re-rent those from those guys. And if it works, then we'll start working our process to get some purchased because we also have some construction clients that are looking into using some of the construction models for our high-rise projects that we have here in downtown. You're lucky that you've got a demo kit available in Texas that you can deploy. Yes, sir. We're excited about that. Did I see you're going to have some new neighbors? Is um, a honey bucket moving into the Texas area? Yeah, they're north of us. Okay, so not in your backyard? You know, they're working a lot in Austin up there, so it should be good. I've uh, just visited with him just in passing. I don't know him real well, but yeah, seems like a good crew there. So it'll be good to have another good operator. Our service here is phenomenal, and that's how we've been able to grow. Business year over year has doubled, and last year was just booming for customer acquisition of course with covid there was of course inventory increase there but just just word of mouth increased service implementation for new customers it's been really good for us i was just thinking that your numbers so if you've got inventory of 2000 and you're doing 5000 services a week you're putting a lot of effort into keeping those johns clean yeah and i've got no doubt that your toilets will be sparkling and if i went and ran my inspection app on all of your units i figured you'd score some high numbers would you yeah, I, I listened to that the other day. I liked that. And that's kind of what we do between myself and my management team. We go out there and do a score, and then it's on the, one of the metrics that we do our quarterly bonuses on. Yeah. So we're able to go out there, do that inspection, just like, you know, nobody knows. Nobody knows that we did it. Yeah. And then once it comes up to the quarterly meetings to kind of go over everything with the guys, that we're able to say, hey, look here, video, pictures, any notes that we've got, and uh, any kind of training that needs to be updated to make sure that we're all on the same page, you know. And that's really powerful because the one thing I haven't closed in that loop is the feedback system that it's okay going and doing the checks and knowing for yourself that this toilet scored 80, 90%. But that's only relevant if you then share it with the driver. Exactly. So you're giving them bonuses for good scores. Yep. Truck cleanliness, uniform completed, toilet inspections, any kind of service missed in the field. Uh, we make sure that's within the, the service system as well as a text string that we use through the company to make sure that there's pictures, two backups of pictures, because you know when you get a call from the superintendent, what's going on out here? Well, if I've got all the information, end of story, end of discussion, we'll be there as soon as we can. So having that proof from the drivers is really, really important for us. So we try not to miss any kind of service, but if it's blocked or locked, we need to make sure and have all that information. And it's really saved us a few times when we were in a jam and the guy was pretty upset. I was like, well, that's, you know, we show some proof here and send the text over with the pictures and information. And all of a sudden attitude changes immediately and we're the best guys in the business. So that's really powerful. And I've used that myself a few times where you've, you've had a site foreman who's maybe not on the site 
and somebody phoned him two days ago and complained about the toilet and he's just remembered to call the office today. Yes, sir. And, yes, sir. And you, you're like, hey, fella, you know, I, I understand your frustration, but we were there two days ago. That's really good. Multiple times that happens. Yeah, <laughs> it really does. And, you know, that's back to those the new entrant guys who think it's really straightforward to buy a sanitation truck and a couple of toilets and get yourself in business. It's not. It's never ending. It doesn't stop, does it? No, never does. And you've got to have every single chemical, every single supply, every single brush and rag. You know, we towel dry everything that we wash in the field because we power wash every single unit during service time. So towel drying everything is something that nobody else does in the market here. You know, it's just one little perk that we do and it really increases our customer retention and new business. Yeah. So practically speaking, Roy, how do you bring your new drivers up to speed? How do you instruct them in the Texan standards? Our project manager is also one of our lead trainers. So they will ride with him up to two weeks, depending on if they had any experience or not. Even if they had experience, we do a total training to let them know the do's and don'ts of how we operate here to make sure that the old habits die and the new expedited habits kind of stay in place. So they'll be on two weeks uh, with him. We have a playbook that every driver goes through and signs, starting with our mission statement and core values and all the way through the service process, our post and pre checklists that we do. Every single process that we do here from when they arrive to the end of day is all in the playbook and they sign off on all of that. That way, when it comes time, if there's an issue, it's basically, hey, you signed the contract with us. You know, if you want to use those terms, this is kind of what we've agreed upon. This is your one chance to get it right. And that way, you know, there's no arguing there. It's plain cut and dry. And that way there's no one guy servicing this way, one guy servicing that way, one truck is set up this way, and the other doesn't. That way, we're proactive rather than reactive in case I need to get on a truck, another driver needs to swap a truck. All the equipment and supplies are there the night before. That way, we just jump in and go rather than causing a domino effect and you know just delayed service. No one's getting on site till later in the morning. We try to just pre-plan as much as we can, and that comes all the way back to the training. So we make sure everyone's trained, fully they go out for another week our project manager goes back and inspects a week later to make sure that all the processes are still in place and there isn't any cheat spots that he can find and if that's the case uh everybody's on their own otherwise we kind of come back and do a, a retrain to make sure everybody's aware and upfront uh, about what we expect here that sounds really comprehensive and I'm interested around your concept of a playbook. Is that quite a thick manual and is it subject to continual evolution or is it fairly settled now? You know, with your playbooks, you always got to continue to evolve. You change in this business to get ahead of your other competitors, just little tweaks here and there, your micro adjustments. I mean, that's what you got to do. You can't wait to have a playbook in 10 years from now, try to do some monumental change. It's got to be your micro changes and that's where you're making your moves. You know, our playbook's not even half an inch thick. Everything is one page. The text is large enough where everyone can use it in the truck. The new drivers take it along with them. And that way they can go through A to Z. You pull up to the toilet, you do A, boom, 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 boom. And then when you leave, everything on the list is checked off and done. I'm a big fan of that. I've got a friend who drives some fuel tankers for one of the big petrochem companies. And their playbook is absolutely enormous. It, it, it would be three inches thick. Right. But it describes absolutely everything they have to do because if they get that wrong with fuel tankers they'll blow half the town up exactly you know and we don't have to be that no 
course, is overkill. But within our business, I think the playbook is more than adequate. And it has in there kind of everyone's place in the company. We've got an org chart in there as well. That way, everyone knows who reports to who. And everybody has access to it. It's just not something hidden in the HR office. There's one sitting in my office. There's one out in our break room. And then HR has one as well. That way, if there's any questions or concerns, there's more people that can talk about it. And everyone's more familiar with it rather than seeing it once a year. It's got to be part of your living and breathing life, hasn't it? It can't be on a shelf gathering dust. Exactly. Living and breathing is exactly what it has to be. Exactly. Yeah, it's good. And the one thing that I think a lot of companies really struggle with is getting that information down in an accessible way. And it sounds like you've nailed that. Yes, sir. Drivers need to be able to see it, refer to it, understand it. And it, it shouldn't be gobbledygook and lots of technical language. It should be really plain and simple. Yeah, very plain, very simple to make sure that, you know, everything is ready to go. So starting with the original 100 units and then now growing up to 2,000, how have you structured that expansion? Has it been incremental or have you been out and bought other businesses? It's been incremental. From the start, we would get one load of 28 assembled units every three months or so. And now we've started increasing that to a full load of unassembled units every three months. And then the last six months, we've had almost 25 loads delivered. So it was really ramping up there in the middle of last year. And then we've just kind of skyrocketed past that. We just had another load get assembled here this last week. And it just seems to continue to grow, making sure your wins are accounted for, but in small paces. And that way you can keep your growth program moving and uh, making sure the team's aware of what the growth program is, is very important for us. You can ask any one of our people, what's our goals for this year? What's our goals for next year? What's our goals in five years? And we talk about that on a weekly basis to make sure it's fresh in everyone's mind. And when they're out there, they know, and they can actually talk to it. If someone asks them, Hey, what have y'all been doing? How's this going? I mean, y'all are going crazy. We see your stuff everywhere. So, it, you know, that way they can actually talk intelligently to a superintendent, to a company owner, if he's on site for a reason, and to make sure that Texan has a great front in the industry and in the field, no matter who's talking about it. Are you measuring or marking those waypoints in the number of units owned or territory or number of drivers and trucks? What, what are the key indicators that you're using to measure that? For sure, truck capacities. In Vernon's program, we're able to color code uh, route cards in there. So if one's getting red and we start seeing more reds, of course, you need to start growing inventory to kind of prepare for that. A second truck as well to take some of the workload on. Sure. Yeah. And we're, you know, we're doing a truck every few months, you know, rather than we're doing one truck a year. Now we're getting those more frequently and looking out, not just next month. We're looking six months out, 12 months out, 36 months out to make sure that everything's in line to be more reactive than proactive. And that's what keeps us moving in the right direction. We're not surprised by anything. You know, we're always kind of a step ahead of what we need to get. If we need more inventory, another truck, another driver, employee training and, and acquisition, that's kind of been a little bit strenuous here lately, just with the amount of stimulus and different things that they're being offered to sit at home. It's difficult to find people that want to work, but once you get the good ones, you know, we, we keep them on board. But lately it's been tough just getting them in the door. With trucks, I know that Hino have stopped production or importation of trucks because they fell foul of the diesel emissions regulations. Are you okay getting hold of chassis for your new build? The chassis, we've been good to find. The tanks, of course, everyone's a little further out. We use Best Enterprises on most of our tank construction. And I talked to her here last month, and they were out till April, May, June, depending on if you had a chassis ready to drive over to Arkansas today. 
So we've been lucky and found some actually very, very lightly used pumpers that we can get in house and actually save some money on them. So we're able to get Ford 550s, Chevrolet 550s in four wheel drive packages, which we're able to get on the job sites a little better in house a lot faster than having to wait on a tank getting constructed and built and shipped to us in three, four months. So we've been pretty lucky on getting some used trucks that were had barely any miles on. Otherwise people have been having a hard time. I had a chat with a friend the other day who, who makes trailers. He's been building trailers for over 30 years. He's busier now than he's ever, ever been, but he's struggling to get steel. Right. We're just seeing everything dry up here and he, he's scratching his head. That's everywhere. The mills have to start getting caught up. It's been tough with them being shut down and they furloughed everybody and now they're not able to get them back. And that's happening in a lot of places, especially welders. Yeah. I saw Mike Adams from Polyjohn last week shared that article that plastic resin's drying up as well. It just seems to be the, the world's going backwards. It's crazy. Demand's going up, but supply is just getting tougher and tougher. To hear you saying that you're planning for six months and a year out, that's um, great providence. Yeah, that way, if you are in a line of three or four orders back, you're not totally stressed out for not showing up on time. With Texan this year, then you, you've got the event coming up at PGA. Hopefully, we'll be able to catch up either during the event or after just to see what happens because that air vote trial is really exciting, I think. Oh, yeah, that'd be great. I think we're going to have some really interesting information that we can go on and just the reaction time that we're going to be able to have if someone's in a unit or somewhere, hey, look, this is out of paper. Boom, we're already there before the event management calls us. You know, that's going to be really exciting and our reaction time is going to be so fast they're not going to be leave it. I saw the proofs of the stickers and I'm excited to see what people say about the units. Yeah, we uh, did our Zoom call last week and got all that excited. Our operations manager is super excited and we're going to be able to get some really good information, especially from an event this size with this many people there. You know, they've limited it to 5,000 spectators. So we're going to be able to get a lot of traffic in all areas and be able to use both systems very well. You're putting them in the plastics as well, aren't you? Yes, everything will have it on there. Good. It'd be interesting to compare the two um, sets of results. Yeah, especially with the traffic areas. You know, we're going to have the Santa Tracks kind of in a, a local location and then have the units will be spread out in two to nine bank areas all over the course between the whole place. So it should be very interesting to get some of that feedback. And are you servicing every day for the plastics? Yep, daily service. They require everybody to be off by 6 a.m. So we'll have to get there three in the morning, get everybody taken care of, and then go on with our daily business. So how are you juggling staff there, Roy? Have you brought extra people in or is it overtime for the crew? <laughs> A couple of extras. The whole team will be out there. That way we can do it quickly and then uh, transfer trucks to our tanker truck. And then everybody will be able to move on with their day. So it should be pretty seamless, I think. I really wish I could come over and see it. Future direction for Texan, are you seeing yourself as a long-term portable restroom operator or do you think you'll move on to something else? For sure, long-term. I've got three kids, so hopefully one of them wants to uh, continue the porta potty legacy of Texan, you know. So my son, he's six years old and he's already in here making VP decisions. Good on him. <laughs> I get a list here of what we need to do. Once a week, he'll be in here, one of our get-togethers, and he'll go through and make a note of what we need to do and remind me of it two or three days later when I forget. So hopefully the uh, the interest is still there. It's a great business, a great industry, you know, a lot of good people here. So I think if someone wanted to kind of move on forward with this, uh, like I said, we're just barely 10 years into this deal. So 
once we get to the 20 year mark and growth of that scale, we should be very well recognized and hopefully in a, in a few more markets. So the, the one thing I haven't asked you there is how on earth did you end up becoming a restroom operator? Well, when the oil field kicked off in South Texas, we were able to get in with another group that uh, was out of a, a northern city here in Texas. And then uh, they had a mutual friend kept requesting units. Well, since I was from the area, I went ahead and just started the division here and kind of started moving around all the South Texas territory and built that to about a $2 million business within just three years. It was insane, the growth that the oil industry had down here. But now since that kind of parlayed into a little lower action territory, we, uh, we kind of parted ways and then we started our own in 2014 and have just kept on going since. Opportunities, you know, does the time make the man or the man make the time? Everybody asks me that. My family, we were in the commercial cabinet business, uh, in the construction business for 30 years. So I've had some background in construction and some of the old relationships, we were able to kind of rekindle those and helped kind of boost us at the very, very beginning. And then some of those guys have moved on to different places and then word of mouth. So it's been, it's been evolving the whole time and you got to have friends and, you know, you got to make, have your people understand that I tell them every week, I say, you need to go to a job site thinking that every single person there is a personal friend of mine because 90% of the time they are. And that's the way we built those relationships here. And that's how we've been able to grow so much and just keep on keeping on moving in the right direction. You know, I'm really heartened to talk to you because the one thing I'm very cautious about is the fact that I, I don't want listeners to think that I'm slamming every restroom operator every week and constantly whinging that toilets aren't clean enough. Because as you're showing, there are some really fabulous operators out there who do a great job and take hygiene and cleanliness really, really seriously. Sure. No, I just appreciate the time. I think what you're doing is exciting. It gets a lot of information out to the folks, the new pros coming into the business, some of the old pros that, you know, need a little tune up here and there, you know, with some change and something to kind of get their business reinvigorated. So I think this is a, a good thing what you're doing and getting everybody across the whole industry involved something that we needed there's a common spot for new information old information tricks from here and there that that really help the business operate better and sadly there's just been a, a long history of toilets not being up to standard and drivers doing the bare minimum you know a quick suck and go and my aim was just to improve that that i'd, I'd been involved in the industry i'd seen toilets i'd been a guest at events and I, I just felt that we could all do better. And it seems that a lot of companies are doing better and some of them are doing an absolutely exceptional job. And, you know, my aim was just to share information and get people talking about the subject. And, and let's not lose sight of the fact it's a massive industry. It's, you know, global values over 17, 18 billion dollars a year. It's a huge industry. And it's one one I felt that everyone was just taking for granted. And certainly the conversations I've had with project managers that they all seem to be driven by price. They want the toilets at the cheapest possible cost. Well, that that's a false economy. And I, I would always urge them to argue with their concrete supplier and talk about the volumetric charge for concrete before they start talking about the weekly charge for a toilet. And it's just a conversation that we are a service business. And if you're not doing the service correctly, what are you getting paid for? So that's we try to move that culture needle with our customers and within the industry, you know, about really focusing on service, really focus on, on cleanliness. And, you know, once you kind of have three or four, maybe 10 conversations about it, everyone's on the same page and get, 
you know, moving in the right direction and realize that it's just not a porta potty on the job site. It's the first and almost the last thing on a job site and it needs to be right. And it's good to hear that, Roy, because the, the one thing that sanitation drivers bring is an expert knowledge of their field. I've mentioned it in one of the shows. When the, the sanitation truck turns up on site, everyone runs for cover because they think it's going to stink and, and they, all, they all hide. But the truth is that that driver, while some people might see that they're performing a really lowly function, they're cleaning the toilet, they're actually maintaining the fundamental hygiene and integrity of that site. I do site visits all the time. They never have an owner come by and ask them how their day is going, how their units are serviced, if there's anything we can do differently go out there and inspect with the, the project manager or supervisor if there's been some scores that were poor on the job site just by use. You know, and that's what we've really done is try to change that culture and and what Texan really does for the job site and what for their employees, especially now with, you know, the pandemic, it was proof in the pudding right there that it has to be clean, no matter what. And on time, you know, it can't be delayed if your service day is Tuesday, we need to service on Tuesday and uh, and the delay on some of these competitors that we have to deal with. It's we'll get to you when we can. You know, we try to do our best if somebody calls there within 24 hours, if not sooner. That question about it's not clean because of use, it's been overused. Certainly, I've seen here a dysentery outbreak, which took over 18 staff out of work for two weeks on a construction project. And, and the toilets got the blame for that. Undoubtedly, the toilets were the cause of the dysentery infection, but the real issue was the site manager for me was skimping. He, he had two or three toilets on site for a crew that actually needed six or seven toilets on site. You know, So there's a lot of expert knowledge in those drivers, and it's a, a real mistake for any construction operator to d dismiss or diminish the advice they're being given by the driver on the ground. really is. Then it comes back to your relationship between your supervisor, your project manager, even the driver that goes to the job weekly. Now, you know, when we started, if my driver would have came to the project manager and asked, I think we need another unit there, he would just blow him off and not even worry about it. We've become so important and our relationships have been so much better in the field. Now when my driver requests that, it's an immediate yes. 90% of the time it's immediately, I think you're right, without even having to go check or inspect or, or second guess my driver. So that's an important thing, you know, and that's when these guys are having discussions, you know, they're required to talk to the superintendent when you go on site. I mean, you don't just go on there, drive through and go on. If you see somebody in that hard hat that, you know, the hard hat color that signifies supervisor or their vest, you need to have a conversation and stick your hand out. How are you doing? Are we doing okay? Do we need to change anything? And then all that funnels back to me through text or phone call. And uh, it's, that's really helped grow the business as well. A job that we usually have three units would have five or seven, you know, uh, just by the conversation that we're having on jobs. Hey, Roy, I really appreciate your time with me today. I think what you're doing is good. It really is. I'm, I'm very impressed. I'll make sure that there's a get flushed mail in the post for you to, um, to say thank you for taking part. Thanks, Pete. We'll talk next week. Cheers. I really enjoyed talking to Roy, and anyone who's used a Texan restroom will know that the company is really on top of its game. It's great to see professional operators come into the industry as new entrants and build not only a successful business, but a credible reputation too. 
My interview with Roy is also a testament to how good people in the industry are willing to share ideas and information that can only help other people improve. Nobody I've met through the podcast has turned this into an ego contest or criticised other providers. And as Roy says, it always pays to have good friends. That's all I've got time for this week, but I'd like to end by reminding everybody to please tell their family, friends, colleagues and strangers all about Get Flushed and persuade them to listen in. And if you'd like to get early access to the show and bonus material that's not available anywhere else, please visit our Patreon page. That's Patreon slash Get Flushed. Once again, thank you for your time. I've been Pete and you've been listening to Get Flushed, the sanitation podcast. 